You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Friday, 9 February, Chinese New Year starts tomorrow, Year of the Dragon. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Nakunza, Sunlam Private Wealth, British American Tobacco, the Anglo Group Update, it's Anglo Kumba, Anglo Platinum, uh, Smileko Zwani from FNB, talking structured products, and thoughts from me in MultiChoice and Canal Plus, mandatory offers, Electronic Communications Act of 2005. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from News 24. Suzuki topples VW as SA's second best automaker. Automaker sells more than 5,000 cars in January. Suzuki, of course, CMH locally. Uh, business day. Uh, Arsenal Mittel delays closure of long steel units banking on Transnet turnarounds. Commitments by the government in Transnet have allowed a grace period for Newcastle and for Reinigen. Morning markets, US is green, S&P up 0.1 and NASDAQ up 0.2%. Over in the east, it is mixed, Sydney's up 0.1, Tokyo up half a percent, Hong Kong down 1% as is Tencent. Hong Kong Tencent will not be trading Monday, Tuesday, Chinese New Year. Commodities mostly green, the exception is gold at 2049, Brent 8163, Platinum 898, Palladium also 898, Rand 1896, Bitcoin 46,100 and top 40 looking for a green open but only 30 points higher. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Tony now with uh, Nick Kunzo from Sunlam Private Wealth. Nick, appreciate the early morning. Uh, let's start with the Anglo Group updates. Anglo-American, Kumba Iron Ore, Anglo-Platinum. Uh, the story here, perhaps more than anything, is, is logistics and transport. And the president in his uh, State of the Nation address last night said all will be fine. But right now that's not the case. And, and certainly, I mean, they're pulling back on production. I mean, Kumba's got stockpiles that are probably almost as big as that hole in the ground incision. Yeah, morning, Simon. Yeah, it's it difficult to to uh, short listen to your intro about the rosy outlook and new highs across our waters, and then what's happening locally. It's just absolutely dire. Um, yeah, a lot of trials and tribulations with the PGM basket. Uh, you know, with the, the likes of Transnet, you mentioned the logistics. You know, they just can't get this stuff to the port, or they can't get it on, and they can't get it. Uh, over across to the people that need it, like China. I mean, take uh, Kumba case in point. I mean, the iron ore price still hovering around 130. Yeah. I think most analysts thought it'd be 60, 70 dollars. So um, it, it must be absolutely devastating for the company to see these sort of spot prices and not get it out there. But um, not only that, you know, it's also, you know, there definitely seems to be those spot metal price basket down, obviously, like almost 30% itself as well. So a real, uh, just a lackluster uh, sector to be in, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, with Anglo Platinum, of course, they don't have the problem mm. with getting it out because, you know, an ounce of platinum fits in your pocket. Yeah, but, it's stick on a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. yeah but, mm. but the price on both metals below 900. Now, for platinum, that's not so unsu- un- un- unusual, but palladium, it's just getting sold. Yeah, palladium is a big problem. Uh, rhodium also a problem as well. Yeah. You know, those that's almost down almost fifty percent, and that's quite a big chunk of of, of amplats as well. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah, the, the other side of the market, we don't talk about those sort of prices, also very very much suppressed. So, just in general, just just a tough outlook. But 
I will say, I will start being too depressing on the show. You know, it, it actually, uh, you know, you do think this is about as, as bad as it's going to get for those who are looking to take a little risk. You know, this this is probably the other bottom of the cycle. Take your point on that. And Rhodium, 4400 That was a $30,000 an ounce at one point. Unbelievable. That was yeah. a crazy price, but uh, maybe 4000 falls better. Uh, let's switch track a bit, British American tobacco. Market liked it. A lot of moving parts, notwithstanding, what, almost a $30 billion sterling write-down. Uh, there were some, some, perhaps some glimmers there. I don't know. I mean, this is, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a weird stock. So it's a nice dividend. It's a sterling dividend. Ooh. But, of course, their product is, like, on the decline, and, and, and they're moving to what they call new new age products it's a tricky transition it's a tricky transition and it's a tricky uh, it's a tricky stock to decide if you want in your portfolio or not as you said i mean this is a you've got to say this is a, a company that that either needs to reinvent itself because it won't be around i mean it's selling a product that we all know probably kills you but uh you know the, they are trying their best you know they've got they they sold a big chunk of the the indian tobacco the that uh, big stake they had in the indian conglomerate mm-hmm. which is that uh, itc that's going to raise some capital recently we've seen the other tobacco companies trying to sort of appease shareholders but doing big sort of share barbacks um, you know that has been the sort of play, and I think that's what what gave it the, a bit of a pop to the to the market yesterday. Uh, the fact that uh, you know the new CEO uh, opting to possibly introduce some uh, share buybacks. I mean, um, Altria, the, its competitor, announcing a billion. Uh, dollar share back a couple of months ago as well. I mean, this is a real contrarian bet, though, um, Simon. I mean, owning tobacco shares not not easy, and uh, in, in, a, in a world of, of higher interest rates, um, getting you know almost five percent in hard currency. Yeah. And it doesn't have that draw card of, of just being this big dividend player anymore. So it needs to make some changes. But, I mean, a decent trading day yesterday anyway. Yeah, no decent day yesterday. Uh, last one, uh, Kira writing down 340 million rand, 28 schools under underperforming. I've been looking, I mean, education should be a, an, an easy space. Over the last five years, it's Advertech up 85%, Stadio 31%, Kira down 55%. They really have been the, the strugglers in the space. There have been the struggles, and it's a bit of a head scratch because we all know, uh, you know, the state of our of our of our government-run schools and, and even sort of the model the model fees. Mm. But and the, the private sector has been growing exponentially. The share price has done really well over the last sort of I guess five-year period. Uh, but I think a little bit of a realization coming, a little bit of slowdown. Goodness me! I mean, we don't have to to listen to the state of the nation last night or wait for the budget to realize that our middle class is under severe pressure yeah. in South Africa. Um, and and I, and I think. Besides uh, the health sector, you know, education is the next spot that's going to take a squeeze, and I think that's what we're seeing now. But but long term, Simon, I must say, I think I think the sector uh, has definitely got legs still. Yeah, uh, my sense is parents will pay up if they can. The the, the, yeah. if, the if is the big part, perhaps. Nikunza, Sunline Private Wealth, always appreciate the early morning. When you stay invested over time in Stanlib's Global Multi Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money's in for some smooth sailing. With our global partners, J.P. Morgan Asset Management at the helm, your money can withstand the pressure and bad weather day-to-day market conditions cause. All aboard? Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money.
I'm chatting with Sam Mikeloswani, Head of Product at FMB Wealth and Investments. So Mikelo, appreciate the time today. Structured products, I want to get into some of the myths around them, but I suppose we should first off start off with what is. It's kind of like, I suppose, a fancy ETF or even unit trust. It could have commodities or indices in it, it could have derivatives, it could have protection guarantees and even upside enhancements. They really are a basket of almost anything the issuer wants to include into it. Absolutely. Hello, Simon, and hello to everybody else. Simon, I think quite important that structured products is basically a type of product that actually is designed to have a certain or specific payoff profile. Mm. So you are able to actually control the outcome of the product by using all those instruments you're talking about. You know, you can have ETFs in it, you can have commodities, you can have derivatives underlying it. However, Everything is structured such that, you know, you have a payoff profile that is actually preempted. So it allows you to go and invest in all this complex, you know, markets and gives you access to this complex investment instruments, but in a controlled fashion. So you have more control when you're actually using the structured products. So that's basically what structured products are. It's just solutions that have got a controlled outcome. And that's the key thing. And I suppose it's knowing what's inside. And if we go back, I don't know, a decade or maybe two ago, these really were for institutions, but they've moved down the ladder and they're very readily available these days for the private investor. Absolutely, Simon. You know, back in the days, structured products were being used by pension funds, basically mm. to structure their outcomes within a pension fund portfolio by big corporates who probably wanted to structure, you know, a particular outcome for the corporate. Maybe they wanted liquidity within three or five years, and they would structure, you know, a structured product such that it will give out that type of liquidity. However, with advancements in uh, financial engineering, as well as advancements in technology, these solutions are now available to retail investors. They're much more easily available to retail investments. So retail investors can actually invest in this type of structured products because the, you know, the minimums are not as high as they used to be. The yeah. complexity has been removed by virtue of the fact that, you know, of the improvements with regards to the financial engineering techniques that are involved with regards to the structures. The payoff profiles are actually much simpler and people can understand what are they actually buying when they're actually purchasing a structured product. That's a great point. I and mean, it is that increase in transparency. I said, you know, know what's in it. And it's much easier these days to understand what's in the product. And, and also in terms of regulation, I mean, I don't know what the regulation profile was back in the day, 10, 20 years ago. But these days, they come from big banks. They're on the JSC. There are layers of protection in a sense for investors. Absolutely, Simon. I mean, it's typical of any asset class that is being introduced. You know, it takes time for the regulation yeah. to actually catch up with that asset class. So back in the day, you know, we never had a lot of regulation around how structured products are actually regulated. Even, you know, the access mechanisms, they were actually over the counter, which has got slightly less regulation implications as compared to today. So nowadays, you find structured products are issued by banks. Banks themselves are being regulated in terms of the Banking Act, in terms of what they can do, how they can actually set up structured and all the stuff. And then secondly, they're actually listed. And if you're listing any instrument on the stock exchange, you know, the regulations there are quite, you know, tight. You know, they want to know what type of credit are you using underlying the structure, how long is that credit and all the stuff. And additionally, you need to actually make that transparent to the client. The client needs to know about it. And then it comes to the sell side. The FSCA is very, very stringent in mm -hmm. terms of who can sell a structured product, what license category are you supposed to have and all that. So all these things actually 
come together to make the structured products much more transparent and regulated and make it easier for the retail client to actually access these structures. And you mentioned over-the-counter there, which was one of the complexities. These often these days are on the JSE. Some of them do have lock-in periods, three to five years as a rule, but they also some are providing liquidity, some are providing early redemption as well. So again, understand what it is because not every structured product is the same, particularly in terms of duration and liquidity. Absolutely, you've hit the nail on the head over there, Simon. You know, liquidity was one of the things that people were actually worried about. But, you know, we need to take it a big back. You know, when you're using the financial engineering tactics, for mm. you to get these outcomes that are actually being designed by the structured products, I'll give you an example. A structured product will say, listen, we are actually investing your money such that it will track a particular index. However, by virtue of being in the structure for a period of three, maybe two, five years, we are only going to give you 110% of the return of the index. So there's Mm. that participation which is higher and above the index. All those things that are required for you to structure that, they require TAM, you know, the call options, the derivatives that are being used, you know, the credit notes underlying, they require TAM. And Haynes, that's why the bank is able to actually give you that type of an outcome. So it's quite important for people to understand that the liquidity is constrained by the virtue of the financial engineering techniques underlying the structures. However, these days, as you mentioned, Simon, these structures are listed, which means now there's a secondary market. So there's a market maker. somebody willing to actually create a price for you and say, Mm -hmm. listen, if you're actually exiting at this point in time, fine, you may not get the same outcome you'd have gotten in three or five years time, but I can actually give you this outcome, maybe still with your capital still guaranteed and all that stuff. So that liquidity comes into the picture. Even on over-the-counter, you find that some of the investment banks and some of the banks are willing to actually be counterparty to that trade and offer you a price for settlement over-the-counter. What about fees? Because, I mean, I think a lot of the listeners are like, this sounds great, but there sounds like there's a lot inside this and fees start to rack up. I've had a few structured products over the years and they've typically been, the fees have been in the totality. If I put 10,000 rand in, that would include the fees. Have fees sort of come down as we've seen broadly across the industry? Absolutely, Simon. I mean, with this type of solutions, with more competition coming into the play, you know, more transparency coming in, there is usually pressure on the solution. You know, the cost of the solution typically goes down. Mm -hmm. So that has happened as well with structured products. First and foremost, if you're actually going to be issuing the structured products to institutional, you know, players, you really, really need to come down on the fees. (laughs) Typically, as you mentioned, Simon, these fees are actually embedded within the structure. So when you purchase the structured product, it comes with the caveat it says the fee is embedded in the structure. You might find that the fee of the structured product may be anywhere between 2 to maybe 5%, but it's embedded in the structure. You don't have to actually take out money from the side and actually pay for that fee in the particular structure. And these fees are actually relatively competitive now, Simon. If you're actually buying a unit trust, you know, you might find that in a balance fund, you can actually get an all-in fee when you take into account your asset management fee, you take into account your administration fee, and then you bring into the advice fee. You could be sitting at around about 3% in terms of your fee on an annual basis. And structured products are also playing in that realm in that you could actually get an all-in fee from between 2 to actually 5%. So the fees are very competitive and the fees are actually they're much more affordable now for the retail client. We'll leave it there. That's Mikhail Zwani. He's head of product at FMB Wealth and Investments. Appreciate the time today. That's our poll on uh, LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Do you hold any structured products? What sort of experience have you had with them if you have held them, particularly if you've held them to maturity? Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money can do more when it's investing with conviction. 
our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to in-depth, broad market research and high-return investment strategies. So invest in a select set of companies with long-term structural growth potential with Stanlib's Global Growth Fund. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. So some Friday thoughts from me, multi-choice Canal Plus mandatory offers in the Electronic Communications Act of 2005. Let's start with mandatory offers. Uh, at the same time that multi-choice issued a sense on Monday rejecting the 105 rand a share offer from Canal Plus, they also informed the market in a separate sense that Canal Plus had bought more shares, taking their holding to 35.1%. This is important, that 35%. If you cross that, you have to make a mandatory offer to other shareholders. Now, the sense says that MultiChoice was going to check with, check with the uh, takeover regulation panel. There's nothing to check. This is our Companies Act. They've crossed the 35% mark. The rules say you've got to make that mandatory offer. Highest price from the previous six months. Now, as far as I can tell, the only trades in that period were done pretty much that Thursday, Friday, after the initial announcement of the 105. So the trade's done, let's call it mid-90s, 95 rand. They've got to therefore make that offer at 95 rand. But they could offer more. Surely they would offer 105. That would just make sense. That was the price that they offered and that the board rejects. Uh, They could sweeten the deal. They could say, what the heck, 120, and maybe get the board on side as well. The trick is, they come at 105 rand, they're going to get control, maybe negative control. Negative control is where you own, say, 48 or 45% of the company. Uh, You don't have the 50 plus one, but you've only got to get a few shareholders on your side, and then you've got that 50 plus one. So you don't need a lot of support to effectively run the company. I think that at 105, they would certainly probably get through the, the 50%. So they would get control of the business. But there's more. Electronic Communications Act of 2005, foreigners cannot own more than 20% of a SA media company. Let's assume that multi-choice falls into that bracket. We could debate if they're a media or a carrier, but let's assume they do. The rule actually says you can own more than 20%. You just can't vote or have board representation of more than 20%. So they own 35.1%. They can only vote 20%. That restricts that negative control, of course. But now it starts to get complicated. I mean, let's say they get to, I don't know, 80% of the shares. So they can only vote 20, but the other shares remaining are also only 20. You see where it starts to get messy. And here comes the really fun part. 2022, government proposed increasing that 20% limit to 49%. So far, nothing's happened on that. It won't until after the elections at soonest, but that 49% could be a fundamental game changer. Short answer, things are getting very interesting here and it's going to take some time to play out. That's it for today. We're chatting with Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss yesterday. Disney results. When we were talking yesterday morning, stock had been up, what, some 25% since the November lows. It added another 11% yesterday uh, on those results. But it was lagging Netflix. And we asked you if you prefer Disney or Netflix. Half of you like Netflix. Quarter don't like either. Rest split between Disney and maybe a bit of both. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter.
This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The MoneyWare website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. If you're loving the show, please leave us a positive rating in your podcatcher of choice, and we'll chat again Monday. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.